Now, let's see. We've decriminalized crime. Oh, we got rid of bail. So now that we've gotten rid of bail, when you arrest somebody for committing a crime, we're now just going to release them onto the streets. Uh, where there are multiple stories. You're talking about bail reform. You're talking about bail reform. Because because African-Americans were disproportionately harmed when they couldn't afford bail and white people could. Let me jump in because this is running a little long. But let me just... Let me I, just I, but, let but, me but just let's clarify. Let's remember the war on drugs started in 1971 uh, with Richard Nixon. Republicans don't want to talk about that. He was a Republican Sorry, I, the last time I checked. The war on drugs started June 17, 1971, when a Republican named Richard Nixon declared his war on drugs in front of Congress. So, if we want to deal with that, we need to go back there and come forward. Black people have been, by and large, Democrat since the late 1960s. A recent, Pew poll, a recent Pew research poll shows that only 4% of black registered voters would vote for a Republican candidate. While black Republicans are few, the study found they tend to be younger than black Democrats. A black Republican group called Project 21 believes the sway of young black voters comes from the lack of upward mobility, poverty, crime, and other social ills. Project 21 is a network of black leaders from across the nation and have identified 10 critical areas for reform and are offering 57 recommendations to remove barriers blocking blacks. I don't like the word blacks, but that's okay. Black people. Craig Deleuze, a Project, Project 21 member and founder of Uncommon Sense Media Group, is joining us to explain their blueprint for a better deal for Black America Plan. Hello, Mr. Deleuze. Welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for being here. I had a chance to look over this blueprint for a better deal for black America. And I will be remiss if I didn't start off by saying that this is a extensive report of super anti-black. And I would even say white supremacist talking points that are filled with completely absurd notions that want to roll back all of the racial progress that we've made in terms of civil rights an advancement. So what do you have to say for this plan and why you believe the suggestions that you've made, such as trying to ban critical race theory, get rid of all kinds of civil rights protections, is actually the right plan for black America? Okay, well, first of all, your mischaracterization of the plan is, and as well, by the way, of, of Project 21, just goes to demonstrate how, how little you probably, time you actually probably spent on it or on Project 21. First of all, Project 21 is not a Republican group. It's a group of, of people who think differently we didn't say than, Republican. than the left string, left wing paradigm. In other words, uh, the black community is, is just like every other community in that not, not everyone thinks alike. Right. We come from different. Uh, we have different uh, beliefs. We have different. Uh, we have we have a variety of beliefs. We have a variety of positions on issues, oftentimes depending on what that issue is. Uh, the challenge we have in particular as a as a black community is uh, monolithically. We only come at it from one perspective uh, and we've lost. Unfortunately, this is unfortunately an issue on both the right and the left. We've we've lost the idea of being able to talk about public policy nuance. And when we start talking about public policy nuance, we start to take a look at and look at all of the all of the items or, or, or perspectives from both sides and look to see which ones are going to be best for the black community. What we've wound up with is 
uh, our policymakers and our politicians only support those on the left. And so you wind up with a Democratic Party who says we don't have to do anything or address any issues of the black community. And you wind up with a Republican Party that says, well, they're always going to vote Democrat, so we really don't have to address any issues within the black community. I can agree with you about the Republican Party aspect, but I think that they are actually quite hostile to the black community. They aren't just indifferent to our community. I think it's interesting well, because, yeah, hold on one second, one second. Exactly. Well, I didn't cut you off, one second. Um, here's the, here's the hold on, point that I'll... Hold on one second. I didn't cut you off, sir. I, I, didn't, cut, I didn't cut you off, sir. Thank you. Um, one thing I found interesting about the report is that the report... Uh, talks about, or it starts that there have been failures of the Biden-Harris administration in terms of their policies. But these statistics that are outlined throughout the reports, like, for instance, statistics about homicide rates, statistics about a number of things, are 2019 and 2020. That's when President Trump was actually in office, and he had had four years of policies to make improvements for the black community. So how do you explain how President Biden is responsible for the failures of the Trump administration policies in 2020. Well, first of all, understand that the executive summary that was written as it came forward, you look at the number, put it this way, what the numbers were in 2020, which, by the way, were 2020 and, and 2019, the numbers have increased since then. And if you look at where those numbers, whether it's crime, whether it's poverty, where those numbers have, have gotten worse are, are, in particular, are in areas that are run by Democrats. In major urban inner cities like San Francisco, like Oakland, like Los Angeles, like Chicago, like New York. And these are areas that have been run by Democrats, not just for a few years, but for generations, you look across the country and you look at where liberal policies are put in place, right? Crime is the highest. Unemployment is the highest. Economic opportunity is the lowest. Quality of education is the lowest. I'm not here saying the Republicans have all the answer. The conservatives have all the answer answers. But here's what I know. I know the Democrats have demonstrated that they simply do not. Well, I, that's not true that crime is highest and a number of things that you asserted were the highest in Democratic areas. But Just because you say it's not true doesn't mean it's not true. Okay, just because you say it's true doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> so where we where we go with that? But, let's, have, but, one second, but one second, let's talk about one of the assertions. It's a big part of this plan talks about crime. One of the most disturbing and the reason why I characterize it as racist and white supremacist notions was it specifically says in this plan that black people are as criminal or more criminal, and that's why we see the kind of disparities in the way that black people are treated in the disparities. Do you believe that black people are more prone to criminal behavior? Do you agree uh, actually, with that assertion? I clearly did not read the report. I did read it. But what it will tell you is this, is that, and this is, by the way, this is true of every ethnicity. People who generally commit crimes commit crimes against their own. In other words, the, 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 the number one committer of crimes against black people are black people. And that's the same with whites. That's the same with Latinos, right? That's what that is pointing out. My question is, with all of these folks who are trying to be smart on crime by decriminalizing crime and putting criminals back on the streets, they're more worried about black criminals than they are about black crime victims. I mean, to be clear, there's this, that's a completely different point to say that there is higher interracial. Hold on. 
there's that's completely different to say that the number one uh, perpetrators of crime against uh, black people are black people, as opposed to saying that black people are more criminal. If we look at, for I, instance, I, I with you, but that what you're saying the report says is not what it says. That is what it said, but that's okay if you don't want to acknowledge that, or if you if you uh, don't believe that, then I'm glad that you repudiate that aspect of the report. But we do have situations like, for instance, how black people are disproportionately stopped for weed offenses, marijuana offenses, as opposed to white people when black people and white people have the same uh, usage of drugs. One of the things that your plan calls for is for not decriminalizing marijuana. Can you explain that position? Uh, well, first of all, I, I think they'd understand that it, overall throughout history, I mean, until recently with marijuana, there has only been one drug that has been legalized for recreational use, and that drug has been alcohol. Um, I don't think that we do our community any any uh, we don't provide them any additional benefit by by uh, by legalizing the use of marijuana. What we were promised in the state of California, for example, was when we was when we legalized marijuana that we would see an end to crime. The exact opposite has happened. What we've seen is is an is an underground uh, black market of, of of marijuana and cannabis is actually taking over the market. Right. In other words, they're grow There's people have not changed whether or not they're smoking it. What's happened is they they also haven't changed where they bought it. The only difference is is that they're not going to jail for possessing it. That is good because black people are disproportionately going to jail for possessing marijuana, despite the fact that they don't have a higher incidence of using marijuana. But let's talk about another major part of your plan which is critical race theory. This is the boogeyman of conservatives. And I found a lot of really preposterous assertions in here as well. But let me just ask you first and foremost, do you believe that racism against black people exists in this country? And do you believe that systemic racism exists in this country? Well, first of all, uh, let's talk about what critical race theory is. And I, and I recognize and I understand get to that, that we can it get off as a, Mr. Off as Mr. Deleuze, we can get to he, that. We, hold on. But I, I asked you a specific question. Respectfully, can you answer my question? And then we can get to what your understanding of critical race theory is. Do I believe that racism exists? Yes, I do believe that racism exists. Do I believe that systemic racism exists? No, I do not believe that systemic racism exists. I believe that we need to take a look at I mean, one of the, the challenges we have is, is that people who promote critical race theory want to act as if we are exactly where we were from the day that slavery ended. And that is just not the case. We are the freest, most educated, and most prosperous peoples of African descent in the world. Now, is everything where it should be? Is there, are we exactly where, we, where, where we, we should be striving to be? No, we're not there yet. But what we should do is recognize where we are, recognize the success that we have had, and recognize that staying on the path where we are uh, is exactly what's going to get us to where we need to be. But teaching policies or teaching things in school that teach uh, students that if you're white, you are, an, you are an oppressor. If you are black, you are oppressed. And the only way you can be successful is if your oppressor well, uh, uh, lets, you to, lets you be successful. Where they talk about things like proximity to whiteness, saying that, well, if you are successful, if you are college educated, and if you've been married to one person and have children uh, with that one person, well, that's because of your proximity to whiteness. This is this, this sort of stuff is utter madness. And this is the sort of stuff that is not going to 
uh, is not going to create racial unity. It's, in fact, going to create racial division. And that's exactly what it's doing. Well, we've, first of all, we've had racial division in this country since the beginning of time. I mean, we did come here as kidnapped enslaved people. So this whole notion that uh, critical race theory is creating something um, is, is really absurd. And it's, it's actually creating a lot of hysteria by all the mischaracterizations no, no, of critical race theory. It's not hysteria at all. I yeah, sit on a Sat on a school, I've sat on a school board for 18 years, and I've seen them work to try and implement this stuff. And I'm telling you right now, this stuff is divisive. And, and as we're trying to bring people together, and you know, we, we've worked in our school district to try and do diversity training, to try and do what we call resiliency training, cultural competency with our staff. And it wasn't until this, this racist, anti-racism training started to come in that we started to have issues and divisions and concerns like this. Oh, anti-racism is the problem as opposed to racism. That's a very interesting assertion, but I'm going to bring in my panel um, to see if they have any questions for you, Mr. Deleuze. I'm going to start off with our professor, Mr. Michael Amhotep. Do you have any questions? Uh, yeah, uh, I've been going through looking at some of this. And um, first of all, what you're saying about critical race theory is blatantly, is blatantly false. And then you want to reinstate uh, Donald Trump's uh, divisive combating race and sexual stereotyping executive order. That's that, that's ridiculous. But the, the question the, the question I have is, uh, if we look, for instance, at the uh, article from Yahoo News, do Republicans or Democrats, uh, Democratic states have more crime? And they talk about how uh, eight of the 10 states with the highest uh, murder rates uh, per 100,000 are Republican states and states that voted for Donald Trump. I explain to me how Republican policies for fighting crime are going to be more beneficial uh, for African-Americans than Democrats. And I'm neither Democrat nor Republican, but I sure as hell ain't stupid. And I know when people are trying to snow job our people as well. But, but explain that to me. And then I got a follow up to deal with marijuana, because if you study the history of why marijuana was made illegal, it largely goes back to Harry J. Ansling in 1937, who was a white supremacist who targeted African-Americans and who lied in front of Congress about the effects of marijuana as well. But we can get to that later. Go ahead and answer the first question. OK, I'll use the state of California as an example. Uh, in the early 90s, in the state of California, we passed a number of laws which actually, uh, which, which, uh, which were included uh, mandatory minimums uh, for various different crimes. We started to institute things like going after people who were involved in violent crime, people who were involved in the drug trade. And, and what we found was for over 20 years, we saw a decrease. We saw a cut uh, in crime, in violent crime, and in property crime. And then in the uh, early 2010s, about the time that we got our, our attorney, then Attorney General Kamala Harris, came in with this idea of, well, we're going to institute, we're going to institute policies that are smart on crime. And as a part of smart on crime, what we're going to do is we're going to take things that are crimes, major crimes, felonies, and we're going to call them misdemeanors. And then not only are we now going to then call them misdemeanors, we're going to take the people who committed those crimes, we're going to take them out of state prison, and we're going to put them into county jails. Now, as a result of that, we've seen a number of things happen. Number one, the people who went from federal, from, from the, the state, from state prison to county forced then people who were in the county jails out onto the streets. 
On top of that, in many cases, you had people who were in county jails, which, by the way, are built for up to a year's stay. They're not built for long term, for more than a right. year. So you saw people who were going into county jails who that didn't have rehabilitation programs, weren't set up for long, weren't set up for long term, and weren't set up for the populations that they had. And so then they started releasing prisoners. So now let's see. We've decriminalized crime. Oh, we got rid of bail. So now that we've gotten rid of bail, when you arrest somebody for committing a crime, we're now just going to release them onto the streets. Uh, where there are multiple you, stories. You're talking about bail reform. You're talking about bail you know reform. Right. Because, no, no, because, because African-Americans were disproportionately harmed things, when they couldn't afford things, bail and white people could. I jump, let me jump in because this is running a little long. But let me just... Let me I, just, I, but, let but, me but just let's clarify. Just remember the war on drugs started in 1971 uh, with Richard Nixon. Republicans don't want to talk about that. He was a Republican Sorry, I, the last time I checked. The war on drugs started June 17, 1971, when a Republican named Richard Nixon declared his war on drugs in front of Congress. So if we want to deal with that, we need to go back there and come forward. Go ahead. You don't okay. Pause. Pause, fellas. Pause. Is my mic working? Is my, is my mic on? Can y'all hear me? Okay, thank you very much. All right. Let me just fact check one thing because um, Vice President Kamala Harris was mentioning, y'all know I don't play about her. Actually, it wasn't her initiative. It was a public real, a safety realignment that uh, brought about the difference uh, between state prisons and local prisons and all that good stuff. But let's move on to another question because we got other people that want to get questions in. Um, so, Kelly, you're up next. I, I um, didn't even have to ask questions. You, you, y'all had five minutes back and forth. Kelly, can you go ahead with your question, please? Sure. So we only covered two of these topics on, on, uh, in this like manifesto blueprint, what have you. And those were the crime and the education and the CRT. Um, I want to focus on CRT only because it delves into another area, which is specifically education, not just ideologies in general. I need to know why you think learning about history is destructive, because at the end of the day, critical race theory has been inflated to mean a whole bunch of things. Um, at the end of the day, it really is a legal concept, but what it has been incorporated into as far as education is concerned is really correcting the wrongs that have been taught to myself and generations after me and, and setting the record straight, such as and the enslaved were not just immigrants that came over to America from Africa. That is part of critical race theory in a lot of jurisdictions. Native Americans were not just giving people turkeys in a cornucopia during the Mayflower. That's part of critical race theory. You understand what I'm saying? So I need to know what is woke. Why is that even being demonized? Why is it that whenever it comes to Black history or critical aspects of Black history, that gets shut down for the sake of, frankly, white guilt? Okay. So before you answer part, that, uh, is my mic on? Uh, I just... Is Mr. Deleuze, I want to be respectful to you, so I just want to give you a heads up. We have one more uh, panelist ask you a question. So if you could keep it relatively brief so that we can get the last person in and then move on to the next segment, I would really appreciate it. I don't want to have to cut you off, so I'm just telling you up front. <laughs> Thank okay. you. Okay. 
So first of all, let's understand that that I think people on both sides are conflating what critical race theory is. Uh, I am not opposed to the idea of teaching our history, good and bad, in particular, and also when it comes to the issue of dealing with the issue of race and the history of African American. I know when I grew up, when I went to school, we didn't cover it the way we needed to. My point here is, is that what you're talking about teaching and talking about the history is not what critical race theory does, or at least it's not all that it does. And that's the problem is there's a lot of there's a there are a lot of things. And by the way, critical race theory, at least I, I, I can I can only speak for California, has not been passed as a curriculum in any school district. Now, aspects of it, it's not a curriculum. Have been put in place in various different places by various different instructors throughout throughout the country. I'm just saying. My my point is, is that those are the things that we need to be talking about and addressing. Talking about our history, not telling kids, well, if you're white, you're oppressed, and you need to be ashamed of your whiteness. And you, you know, th that's the sort of stuff. that sir, not one teacher on this earth has ever said that to a white baby. No one. And I'm friends uh, with plenty of teachers. I, would, I sat I would, on boards. I, like, no, no black teacher has ever told a white baby, you are the grand, great, great grandchild of my oppressor. That does not ha happen. There are teachers who have been the, We're going to move on to the last panelist. Thank you. Uh, please, with your you question know, I, for Mr. Deleuze. I'll let him answer her question. That's but the individual who's supposed to answer the questions gets interrupted. Let's be why, because uh, let's fact check. I, 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 I asked you to keep it relatively brief. I gave you a chance to answer it. It was a couple of minutes last I checked. But we do have another step. We have other people holding on. I wish we could have an entire knockdown, drag out fight about this for two hours. But this is a news program with other segments. So, Matt, please, with your I question. I would call it news, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> My question is, why do you want to end consent decrees when they're based upon evidence that these are cities and uh, municipalities that have had, you know, disparate policing? It seems to me that if you are a supporter of the police, you should also be able to be someone who has a check on them. Right. If you say we're going to hold the citizens accountable, we're going to hold the police accountable. Consent decrees are based on evidence. So why would it be part of your policy platform that you want to repeal those? You know, I have to be honest, the, the, in particular, the section on consent decrees, I'm not particularly familiar with. I do believe in law enforcement accountability. Things like body cameras are vitally important and should be instituted for all law enforcement, uh, in part because it not only helps keep police accountable, but in many cases, it's actually helped uh, exonerate them or show exactly what happened in many, many cases. It's not the complete story, but it does tell part of the story. And I apologize that I don't know more about uh, the consent decrees. Thank you, Mr. Deleuze, um, for acknowledging that instead of BSing your way through that segment. To be honest, you sound just slightly more reasonable than this document. And I listened to it and I was aghast at many of the assertions. But we do agree on body cameras because that has been instrumental in uh, bringing justice to light. And to your point, if the cop is innocent, then it will show that as well. So, Mr. Jalouz, thank you so much for your time coming into the lion's den and uh, giving us your perspective on the what group, Project 21 group. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. All right. All right, folks, back to our Mark Unfiltered video in just one moment. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, 
We're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it. And you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Check some money orders. Go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. All right, so that was Reese sitting in for uh, Roland. Also want to check out the uh, Project 21, their blueprint. What is it called here? Just a second. Blueprint for a better deal for Black America. Project 21 Black Leadership Network. Uh, Black America. Okay, that's what the census and now just reading the executive summary, I knew it was BS when I started reading the executive summary. In 2020, Black and Womanly voted for President Joe Biden in hopes he would push policies that would address the growing and worse needs of their community. 18 months into President Biden's term, Blacks are more than a little disappointed rather than the centrist pro-growth and anti-crime policies they've been promised. Uh, blacks have uh, found that their uh, personal situation in large part is worse than it was before uh, Biden became president. And racism isn't and racism isn't the issue. Instead, crippling government policy is the real barrier for blacks today. OK, now. Uh, what they don't want, then they say over the next year, the national debate has focused over the last year, the national debate has focused far more on the interests of echo and woke warriors rather than kitchen table issues like job creation and low energy costs. 10 million jobs have been created under the Biden Harris administration. 10 million jobs are created 3.7% unemployment rate. The Biden administration has pushed expanding the safety net, enshrined critical race theory in the military, echo alarmism, and abandoning American southern border. They're not abandoned. This is bullshit. That's what this is. They put a black face on bullshit. That's what they did. Blacks aren't just ignored by today's priorities. They are harmed. Inflation, crime in their neighborhoods. But, you know, now he talked about, uh, to show you how duplicitous this is, uh, instead of, uh, uh, it, it said, uh, anti-crime policies, rather than the centrist pro-growth anti-crime policies, they've been promised blacks have found blah, blah, blah. Okay. What he doesn't say is like the George Floyd Justice the Police and Act. He doesn't say no Republicans voted for the bill in the House of Representatives. And the, and, and the bill passed the House of Representatives by a vote of 220 to 212. Um, in March of 2021, 
No Republicans voted for the bill. And then the black Republican, Senator Tom, Tim Scott, blocked the bill in the Senate. See, this is, this is why you can't slick a can of oil. You're talking to somebody who knows what happens, who knows what happened. Republicans blocked the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. So how are you going to blame Democrats for that? Then he talks about inflation. Well, no Republicans voted for the Inflation Reduction Act, which will help Americans, uh, which will give cost savings on energy costs, health care costs, things like this to fight inflation. No Republicans in the House or the Senate voted for the Inflation Reduction Act. No Republicans in the House or the Senate voted for the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan, which saved the American economy. Okay. Now, lastly, because I have to get out of here. Um. Obviously, the people that wrote this nonsense, which uh, we, we've talked about a number, this document from whitehouse.gov goes through and breaks down step-by-step, policy-by-policy, how the policies of the Biden-Harris administration are helping African-Americans. I, I encourage everybody to read this and then go read that nonsense for Project 20. This was dated November 6, 2022. It was first updated in October of 2021. This is the most recent update. It's over 22 pages. The Biden-Harris administration advances equity and opportunity for Black Americans and communities across the country. One of the reasons why many African Americans are frustrated is because they're getting information from the wrong places and, and don't even this document exists and they're listening to simple Simon people on social media pushing propaganda who don't do research and don't understand policy. And, they, and they're trying to push for things like that we want race specific policies, but race specific race specific policies are illegal at the federal level and illegal in most states. That's Title VI of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, non-discrimination and federally assisted program, Session 601. But those people don't do research, so they, don't, they don't know things like this. Economic opportunity for, for black families and communities. It talks about how the American Rescue Plan has helped African-Americans. It, it deals with things like how one million African-American children were lifted out of poverty by the child tax credit, which is part of the American Rescue Plan. Even though that has expired, you can get that back. You got to pass it in the House and, and pass it in the Senate. OK, maybe you could pick up a few Republicans in, uh, in, in the House who will vote for the bill. Make it a standalone bill and get it passed in the Senate. Lowering energy costs. The Biden-Harris administration's vital policies and programs include lowering energy costs and creating economic opportunities through the Inflation Reduction Act. It goes through, breaks, breaks all this stuff down. Making home efficiency upgrades more affordable. Creating economic opportunities and good-paying jobs. We haven't talked about the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan yet. Providing relief to farmers especially African-American farmers. Republicans are not providing relief to African-American farmers. If anything, they, they, you, you, and you had uh, uh, about 11 white farmers, 11 lawsuits to block the uh, debt forgiveness that was in the American Rescue Plan for farmers of color, including African-American farmers. Republicans are against that. Making critical investments in black families and communities in the American Rescue Plan, historic expansion of the child tax credit, cutting child poverty to record lows for black children. Okay. 
su uh, supporting child care providers and reducing child care costs for black families. The American Rescue Plan tripled the uh, earned income tax credit for 17 million workers without dependent children. Helping black Americans stay in homes. There was uh, uh, $25 billion in rental, assist rental assistance that people stay in their homes. Uh, black Americans were the largest group that received this help, representing more than 40% of aid recipients. This is stuff Republicans don't want to deal with. And people like Craig Deleuze, they don't want to talk about this. They, they're not going to tell you about this document. Who has showed you this document? Who has told you about this besides me and the African History Network? Go read this. The Biden-Harris administration advances equity and opportunity for black uh, black Americans and communities across the country. This is why when I was reading the executive summary of Project 21, I knew it was garbage. I knew it was nonsense. And that, and that was before David Craig even came on the show, and then he came on the show, and then I was right. It's a bunch of nonsense. Okay? All right, look, we have to get out of here. You can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHO through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN Show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me, forward slash show. We have a page of our website also. Okay, remember, right now it's correct your own behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. And uh, we'll talk to you next. Peace. Be sure to visit our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, and register for our 12-week online course, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. So when you go to our website, uh, you'll scroll down, you'll see the information for uh, my radio show, the African History Network show, and you'll see our social media uh, platforms as well. And... Also, we have our Cash App and PayPal information there also, uh, so you can support the African History Network. We have uh, the uh, 15 lecture digital download bundle pack, African History Awakens the African Mind for Mental Death. That's on sale for a very limited time only of $50. It's a $150 value. That's 15 of my lectures. Uh, and then we have the uh, digital download of my latest lecture I did November 19th dealing with the new Black Panther movie, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Analysis, African and Mesoamerican Culture, a shared history that's on sale $10. And we also have the uh, information dealing with our 12-week online class, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. So we deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. We do this class on Wednesdays, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our next class is a uh, Wednesday, December 14th, uh, 2022. The class is regularly $130 is on sale, uh, $60. So we do the class live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. So you can go back and watch it anytime. So a year from now, two years from now, you can go back and watch the entire class. Click right here for, uh, to register, register here. You can use your debit card, credit card, or PayPal. And I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, video clips. Uh, and we go through and look at this history chronologically. Uh, you can also use this with your children as well. I would say the information is PG-13. 
so it's not overly graphic. I don't do a lot of cursing or things like that. Okay. Uh, and then on Tuesdays, I teach from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. Okay. Our next class is Tuesday, December 13th, uh, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Same format uh, for this class as well. And it's on sale $60, regularly $130. And we start in the year 1800, looking at the 1800 census. And then we look at the Louisiana Purchase and the Haitian Revolution, because those two events are related. And we go through and look at history chronologically leading up to the Civil War, which starts April 12, 1861. We look at what leads to the Civil War taking place. We look at things like the uh, Mexican-American War and the uh, Missouri Compromise of 1820. Um, we deal with the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo of 1848. We look at the Kansas-Nebraska Act of 1854. Uh, and we go through a look at history chronologically that leads up to uh, the Civil War taking place. Then we look at the Civil War, uh, the Reconstruction Era, the Compromise of 1877, which ends Reconstruction. Uh, we look at the Jim Crow Era, Great Migration, which is 1915 to 1970, World War I, World War II, Civil Rights Movement and Black Power Movement, okay? To better understand what happened after slavery ended, to understand uh, how we got to where we are today, to understand where we need to go from here, okay? So that's from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. I teach this class on Tuesdays, uh, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So you can join us in our next class. And we also have uh, both classes in a bundle pack, okay? So you get both classes for $100 is a fantastic value. It makes a great gift, whether you celebrate Christmas or Kwanzaa. Uh, this is a over $260 value for only $100. Click right here for register here. And if you've taken any of my online classes in the past, email me at AHN show at the African History Network.com, AHN show at the African History Network.com, and you'll get a 50% discount. Or just click on Contact the African History Network and um, right at the top of the page on the menu, and you can email us right through the website. Okay. All right. So, once again, we do the sessions live, all the sessions recorded. So, a year from now, two years from now, you can go back and watch the entire class. And as soon as you register, um, you can watch uh, last week's class in the previous sessions, all right? So be sure to register for this class, and we'll see you um, in our next class. And we, we do the sessions live. We have a live text chat in the class. You can see me. I can't see you. So it's not like a Zoom meeting at work or anything like that, okay? Um, and then if you have questions after class, you can email me. As well. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.